Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Duelist Community Raw. I don't need as much as I thought that I did. I always thought I needed something, some routine, some practice, some thing to get me there. Get me to a place that I can, I don't know, find enough of an excuse to finally accept myself for what I am to finally just fucking be myself. So the more I see that I don't need anything outside of myself. Holy shit. It's like a completely new way to experience reality. We're all running around assuming that we need something. It's like a it's like a societal norm. You must need something. You got to believe in something. What if I didn't? What if we recognized collectively that we didn't need so many fucking crutches? Takes a little bit more responsibility to do so, but I would say it's quite worth it. And I would agree. I would absolutely say that it is worthwhile to be aware and responsible, if anything, just so that you can continue to learn from whatever it is that you're doing. And I'm very excited about the fact that there is always the potential to learn from whatever it is that I'm doing, even if it's only to learn that I don't have to always be learning something. So with all of that said, I hope you enjoy this live stream that is Dualist Unity Raw, episode 51. And we are live another Dualistic Unity Raw. This time, Andrew has moved locations. He is no longer where he was last time. He is now in the San Diego area. How's it going, Andrew? It's going well. Yes, you can see for those on YouTube or on the Twitch live stream right now that, uh, yeah, just got my bed behind me. Got a little uh, studio set up. So it's like... I don't have a full desk on this one like I had last time. I have like a kitchen table that's probably like two feet by two feet. So I got I got my uh, light that I use uh, front light thing by my kitchen sink on the counter. And then I got the table about two feet from that. So we're we're making it work. I put a, I threw a little picture on my Instagram story if you're actually curious what it looks like. But uh, yes, I'm in Pacific Beach uh in san diego about a mile from the beach for the next uh two weeks so yeah la venice was a lot of fun uh, i was able to see a friend in newport beach yesterday uh who lives there kind of stopped there it's like halfway uh, a little less than halfway uh down to san diego so yeah been been enjoying the uh road trip so far and happy to chat you know obviously on patreon if anyone's got any questions about anything have more than happy to discuss it discuss it there but uh yeah been been a lot of fun enjoying enjoying the time getting out there and having different conversations and uh excited for san diego i have unlike la i have been to san diego before i had a uh ex-girlfriend who lived here so it's kind of funny because there's a few places like right around the corner from my apartment that we went to a lot so it's like always kind of weird to uh experience those things and knowing that like where i was as we've been talking about like future self current self past self sort of feelings like knowing that i was went into that this trader joe's it was like a grocery store like two blocks from my apartment now two years ago and then now being like having no idea i would rent an airbnb like two years later right down the block i don't know it's just kind of funny thinking about stuff like that but uh yeah excited for for the time here that's the stuff you got to think about like that's the stuff that life is really all about is the recognition that 
of the journey of, of just the twists and turns and things that you could have never expected to happen things that you would have never thought to yourself like five years from now everything i currently hold dear is probably going to be gone and i'm going to have built an entirely new life and or loop within this life with a bunch of other stuff that i value that will eventually be gone and it's just really interesting because we never take it in take it into consideration this is one of the biggest problems with being a teenager i find is that everything about it you're just like this is it this is the end all and be all of what my existence is going to be forever and there's so much riding on everything you do like if you upset one friend as a teenager you're just like oh my god nobody's ever going to like me i'm never going to have friends i'm going to be a social outcast i'm going to be quasimodo ringing the bells of notre dame like it's going to be terrible it's going to be terrible forever and it's just because there is just less context there are less moments where you've gone through that and come out the other side and went, oh, look, another friend. And then you go through the whole loop again and, and you just keep doing that in different variations and learning from those different variations. And so it's really just a matter of time and experience. But I mean, how nice would it be to be told that as a teenager? It's like, this is going to suck. There's nothing you can do to not make it suck. There's going to be moments that really, really, really suck. And then the moments that are really, 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 really nice you're going to fuck up by chasing. Welcome to the cycle. You know, that would be nice to be given that kind of context, but that's it. It's going through stuff. And then all of a sudden we're just like, oh, I can go through that. And life carries on. But that's true about everything, about losing a job, losing an apartment, getting evicted, all that stuff. Like it sucks, but you learn about it. You learn from it, right? This is the thing I, I often say to uh, parents who are having problems getting their children out of the house when their children are like 25 or even 30 years old. And usually through the course of the questioning, there will come this recognition that the parent has this standard that they want their child to move into from their home because they've worked so hard to have that standard in their own life. But they forget that at one point that parent lived in some scummy little apartment with some sketchy fucking roommate, more than likely. And that's the reason that they value the home that they have. They value the job that they have. They value the work that they've done. They value all the things that they've built their life to be because of the context, right? Whereas they actually just want their child to move out of that context into something comparable. And it's like, but what about all the experience of moving into a shitty apartment? So that way you can appreciate the less shitty apartment, which makes you appreciate the awesome apartment and the prospect of maybe land and your own space down the road because you're working for all that shit. And so like, there's a road that, that we don't appreciate because it's unpleasant, but that's the whole point is to learn from it and make something out of it. Like there's going to be a lot of friends that you're going to lose in your life. There's going to be a lot of people that for no good reason, just decide, I don't want to change anymore. I don't want to join you as you changed. In fact, I'm offended by your changing and, and therefore I'm going in my own direction. And that's okay. That's okay, because every time one of them leaves, there's space for somebody else who, who doesn't share that sentiment. There's, there's space for something else. There's space for another experience, space. I keep wanting to say space. I'm not quite sure why, but there is. And that's the whole point, is just to go along the journey. And this is why it's funny, because the older I get, the more I start to recognize that time seems to be going a little bit slower, which is interesting, because I think that's directly related to how much I just try to be where I am because a lot of people my age are saying like time's moving faster and I find that really interesting as well because how much of that is just the case that you've seen more of it 
And so you're just taking it for granted. It really is. Honestly, I felt like my time in LA, I was there for a week was so much longer than a week. It was, it was really interesting to experience that because, and I, I have been more attentive to where I'm at, more involved in the situations, but it's, it's like that combined with especially just the thing that's been hitting me is, is uncertainty, like the, the rawness, the gravity of, of how much is uncertain right now, but how there's a 0% chance that I have any idea what's coming next. And so there was that insight was hitting me all week. And so it was always just this, it wasn't a focus on the moment. Like I, I, can't express enough how different of a feeling it is. It's like there's just nothing left that could possibly be focused on. So it's not that I'm choosing to focus on the present moment. It's like it 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 was hard to fathom something else to think about because any way that I thought about what's to come or a situation coming up or, you know, going over to a house with a bunch of random people that I don't know, like there's a 0% chance of me knowing how that's going to go, what it's going to mean, where it's going to lead to. And so there it, it's not, there's like nothing to grasp onto. It's so interesting. So I think that really exacerbated just how long everything felt because there's a, there's an attention to it and like attention slows things down or at least seems to, because it's not even like we've talked about before. It's not even slowing down because that's a relative perception it's just it is what it is it just it relative to how another mentality may perceive a day to go or time to move it seems slower but it just is how it's going and so beyond that um what you were saying about finality and just the concern with with things and like being in this situation that i'm in now like two years ago i would not have guessed that I would be, you know, staying in this Airbnb and doing the things that I'm doing every day in the mentality that I'm in and seeing the world the way that I do, there would be no way. And yet at that point, there was lots of things I would get hung up on. We're constantly getting hung up on things. But if you think back to, you know, the gripes you had a year ago today, you know, all the things you were so concerned about, you probably can't even remember what those were. Because those those things, those concerns, those fears, the, those worries are never final. Like we go through them, we go in and out of them all the time. And so I think as you get through those teenage years where each time you go through those feelings of worry, concern, whatever, it's like you're kind of going through them for the first time. And so you don't realize how much of a ebb and flow life is but the more experience you get with that the more you go through it the more you're willing to just continue to step into it and find out uncertainty being a super helpful component of that it gets easier because then you just broaden that sort of context of the situation more and more and more and you can see you have so many examples you can point to where you had this thought like this is the worst thing ever this is i'm i'm never going to get through this this is so scary what is this going to mean about me? And then a week later, it's like it's on to something else or you're feeling better. You don't even remember what that feeling was like to go through that. And then you just keep going through it. And so every situation as heavy as it can feel doesn't feel quite so heavy the more you go through them. There, there's a context around it. So it doesn't quite sink you 
the way that it did the first couple times. So I think even just having that wherewithal going through your teenage years, especially if you're a teenager going through stuff and understanding like it's not going to for almost everyone, it's not going to be the greatest period of your life. For most people, it's the worst period of your life, you know, 13 to 17, 18, 19, like it can be a brutal time because there's just so many changes, so many desires you're just getting used to perception of of yourself and how you fit into things, trying to fit into things, not realizing that however it's playing out, you're going to learn things, you're going to go through stuff. It's inevitable that you're going to go through difficult experiences because it's a bunch of fucking little baby egos like interacting with each other. They don't know how to actually feel better about things. They're looking for the easiest, quickest cessation of whatever insecurity they have. And if that means, you know, making fun of someone at school, like they're just going to go for that, not having any context as to what the actual impact is, like what, what it means about them more broadly, just expressing so much insecurity. So yeah, if you're going through that and even it goes not just for teenage years, but for any situation that you're having a tough time, like there is no finality there is no ends to any of it. Like as long as you keep going through, you'll keep going through and, and life will continue to ebb and flow inevitably. So I recently had the, uh, the experience uh, of taking the bus downtown from where I, I live uh, during, I think it was the mid afternoon. So school was just getting out. Uh, high school was just letting out. And so I was on the bus and a bunch of high school kids got onto the bus and uh normally it, it it's not uncommon for me to be on the bus with a bunch of people my daughter's normally there though so i i kind of you know just focus on on her and chat with her and do all that but this time i was left just with the collective conversation that was happening around me and, and so i decided to just listen and it was a lot of i did this yeah well i did more of that really i've done more of that than anyone here and then um Oh yeah, a lot of that. Or uh, this person said this about me. Yeah, a lot of people say that thing about me. Oh yeah, well, these person say this about me. And it's always just competition and comparison. And it's so interesting to listen to because there's so much of, of just like, yeah, well, I'm as much as you are. And then there's so much of that. And, and it's just because they're trying to figure out who am I supposed to be where I'm going to have as much value as the person that I'm looking at. The problem is, is that they're so desperate to feel like they know that every time they make an assumption about somebody, they actually think that is the person, right? So if they see somebody like that person's cool, all of a sudden they have all kinds of assumptions of that person and, and, and everything that that person does in the wee hours of the evening by themselves, just being cool at home, you know, like that kind of thing. And it's not true. Like the person is just as much as, much a bonehead as anyone else. But again, that would mean that I don't know. And oh my God, that's uncomfortable too. And so as a teenager, I'm just running from this sense of discomfort that is inevitably just the state of affairs that is life, which is uncertainty. And the fact that your value can't be measured and none of the games in your head, none of the people you're trying to be are really going to add anything to your life other than experience. And, and so it's, it's really interesting to watch, but it's just this, <laughs> this process of just going back and forth, looking for validation, trying to validate amongst other people who don't recognize that they are also trying to validate. And it's all done through comparison and assumption. And it's done so very loudly for no good reason, other than the fact that they feel like nobody can hear them otherwise. 
Yeah, it is very interesting to see. I almost forgot about that being a thing that happens so much. Like it, it just brings me right back to like elementary school, middle school, especially like, oh, you know, even just like talking about someone in your life, like like utilizing that, like, oh, your dad does this. Well, my dad, my dad's cooler because he does this. And and oh, you think that's cool? Like, look at look at this. And it's all that. Like it's a n- insane game of trying to find something about yourself that you can settle upon. So it it it's no wonder that we think that we can find certainty when we're settling upon those things. Like all of those ideas, most of them being embellished ideas and we think it actually means something about us and that's the process and then we we never we don't really go beyond that to recognize that it isn't that. It doesn't mean what we think it means. Like it doesn't mean anything about us, the reality of what we are, but that's what we're building the entire time. And so it's just fascinating. And this actually makes me sort of um, think of an example of of just, this has been the other thing that's gone along with the uncertainty that I've been feeling like the last couple, last week, couple weeks, especially. And I think traveling helps with that just because it's so much hard. You're not in a set routine every single day. So it definitely makes it a lot easier. But it goes for myself too and and how i'm being perceived and my my concern for being perceived in a certain way and so um the other night i uh went out with some friends i have a good friend from work who lived in la and she had a group of friends so i hung out with them a couple times and there was a night we went out and i'll share more of the details on this on patreon but basically i did a bunch of different drugs and i was just feeling like super high in different ways i couldn't really point to which one it uh it was uh but it was just like that feeling of being really really high and getting that feeling of like looking through andrew's eyes and being super set back and just like yeah i'm here I'm at the party. I'm hanging out and and interacting with people just fine, but I'm not Andrew right now. I I am like viewing it and then it was like I was seeing that I was viewing for, through everyone else's eyes too and and I just I was relaxing through it and because there was so little concern for for how I was doing, you know, can people tell that I'm high? I just didn't go into that thought process like and and in the past i can think back because i know that feeling so well that feeling of being like feeling really high and and it's so funny because i used to get that feeling and then i would get concerned i I would resist it i would fight that feeling so quick as soon as i started to feel it i'd be like i don't think i can handle this i don't know and and there would have been a point a couple years ago if i had felt that in that situation around a bunch of people that I had never met and like having the interactions and the conversations, I probably would have like left the party. It would have been because it it can get so overwhelming. And it's so funny how much when you have the wherewithal, like not only faith in yourself, but just understanding that you don't know how it's going, just like that uncertainty right there is so interesting. And so even, even like knowing how, how undifferent 
Ray is when he smokes or does any sort of drugs, really. Like he could be super high, like doesn't really act that differently. Like he's pretty much the same sober or really fucking high. And so I remembered that, that it doesn't have to make me so different. It can just be like net positive feeling like, yeah, I'm super high right now. And it doesn't really have to change so much. And whenever I tap into that, it's like, I'm kind of brought back in. It's not, there's like so little concerns. Like, yeah, it doesn't change anything. Cause I'm still me. There's just some drugs in my system and I'm feeling like a little more relaxed, a little more chill, just hanging out there. And, and so I think it all kind of goes hand in hand, but definitely that uncertainty of, you know, the immediate conversation, other people's perception as I'm talking, where it's going, what it's leading to, just without all of that, without being able to settle upon even a false certainty of that, there's so much less concern and you can just kind of ride it all out, like really just ride out the experience. And it's just another experience. But yeah, it was it was funny to get that feeling of the really set back because it was the first time I gotten it in a couple of weeks and I'll get it sober plenty, but it, 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 there's a intensity of it when you're high. That's just, you don't really get when you're sober. So anyway, I wanted to, wanted to, that was like the one note I had to bring up. I, I had written down lots of drugs <laughs> and that was my note to, to remember, but it was, it was a lot of fun for sure. And it's been cool kind of experiencing that in different ways <laughs> that's awesome and i'm just going to remind everyone that if you would like to have if you would like to have this kind of discussion with us join us on patreon patreon.com slash dualistic unity where the conversations get way more weird and interesting and 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 open and authentic because again like even in this format we do have to consider that anybody could be listening to this and so we do want to caution anybody against irresponsible drug use because of course if you're going to use drugs, do so responsibly, do everything responsibly. That's really what it's all about is just being responsible and aware, which is exactly what Andrew was just talking about, because it doesn't really matter what state you're in. If you're willing to be responsible and exercise awareness, which which usually means not react, just don't react and you'll pick your way through pretty much every experience. That's it. That, that's all there is to it. Keep it light. You know, I, it's funny how often I've been in experiences with people who were on one drug or another and they were having one of those panic moments and and so they'd be asking like yeah but like where are we going to go next it's like i don't know that's okay and that was often my answer was that's okay and usually very shortly after they'd be like that's okay it's like yeah it's okay and it's just that light that light tone they're like it's okay <laughs> And then all of a sudden the whole experience changes for them because they don't try to have to know everything Right. It's OK to not know. It's OK not to, to you know, know, know what we're doing next or remember how we got here. It's OK. Everything's OK. It's going to be OK. And, and that's it. That's life in a nutshell. It's going to be OK. And it really will. Yeah, it, it really is that, that shift, because that's the concern, the fear of uncertainty, the concern for what's going to happen next. And no one ever knows. But we like to think there are times where we'd like to think that we do. So then in the times where it really feels like we don't, that's when the anxiety comes in. That's when the, the fear, the overwhelming feeling of like, oh my God, I don't know anything. I don't know myself. I don't know 
you know, what's happening. I don't know what's coming next. Like, yeah, motherfucker, you never have. You've just made up a story that's convinced yourself to keep those feelings at bay, but you're just keeping freedom at bay, really. So you've never known, you've never been able to settle upon an adequate idea of yourself that actually defines you. So you've never known yourself in a in an idealistic, conceptual way. You've never known what's going to happen. You've just convinced yourself that you could. So then when you're in that state, when you're in that state of like sort of vulnerable peeled back, feeling super high. It's like, there's nothing to, nothing to grasp anymore. Cause it's so much more clear how raw that uncertainty is that it can come up like the thought of, Oh my God, I don't know. Only because you think that you could at one point and only because you think that you should and that you need to, but you never have. And as soon as someone's like, and that's okay. You don't have to know. You don't know. You never have. And that's okay. It's like, oh, yeah, it is okay. That is okay. Because that's that's relaxing into reality, freedom, all of those things. There is an experience that I don't think is super common in just recognizing how fucking raw uncertainty is. Like, you don't know anything right now. You don't know it. You're experiencing it. You are it. It's it's happening here and now, but you don't know it. You can't know it ever because that's just a conceptual idea that isn't it. So we can utilize them, you know, for communication, for whatever way that you want to, but without so much weight, because as soon as we take it more seriously than it is or think that we do know, there's so many more repercussions there's so many more consequences to that so it's understanding just that you've never known and and that experience going through it it it's okay it's okay to not know because it's impossible to do so (laughs) it's not even a consideration of like well well maybe if i just think hard enough if i just talk to that person who i think was judging me and find out what they thought then it'll be okay then it'll be if i just plan enough if i just do my you know, pros and cons for long enough. If I just sit on this for long enough, then then I'll know this decision. If I just think about it enough, then I'll know how it's going to turn out and where I'm going to go and what it's going to mean about me and, and all of those things. And it's never the case. All that time we spend mulling over things is time we don't spend living and experiencing it. And that's what's going to actually inform the decision, the experience, all of that. Like it's all part of it. But you know, you can, you can sit on, you know, you can sit there mulling over what to do for your entire life, or you can just do shit and find out and understand that here and now your experience here and now has to always be the priority. If you're mulling over a situation, wondering where it's going to go, what it means about you, what the best decision to make is you're not prioritizing your experience. You're not prioritizing your life. You're prioritizing some conceptual idea and, and trying to build that idea up and often sacrificing your entire life. So it's uh yeah, a means of priority, I would say. That's really what everything comes down to. At the end of the day, priority. We kind of went into this in the last raw, uh, and I know the conversation that we had had on Patreon before that raw, uh, in terms of the difference between discipline and priority. Like 
discipline is is kind of this rigid structure that we create for ourselves because we think that we should be doing something and that you know it means something to us to some degree enough that we're going to force ourselves to do that thing over and over and over again what i always find fascinating is that if you really really think that thing's important you'll find a way to do it you'll find a way to do it as often as you can and when you can't that's okay because you'll still be thinking when i can i'll do it because it's a priority which means that there's no real discipline required. You know, priority and enthusiasm, in fact, in fact, are, are kind of similar. If you, if you look at it, I mean, you're just really into your priority, right? For no other reason than, than the priority itself. Um, that's actually kind of, that's funny. Um, the point is, is that it's just will. Huh. So I'm, I'm curious about this because I was talking with someone uh, a couple of weeks ago and they're in school and have a really tough time sitting down to study basically. And so I'm curious your perspective on when you're doing something like school, that's not, you know, it, it's, we do it thinking that it's what we should do, what we should be doing. And so I think there's a, a bigger picture there that you can look at, but at the time, like, you know, you have a test on some, you know, biology and you're just not interested in biology, but you know, you got to study for it. So it's, it's, I'm curious how you balance that. Cause it's not necessarily a priority, but it's still, it's, I guess it is based on the larger decision, but it's still something that they and it's I, I hesitant I hesitate to even say should do, but like balancing that sort of feeling of having something that you feel like you should do, especially when it pertains to something like school, that's just this whole sort of societal construct that uh, we've bought into, and you don't feel like doing it, like finding that because a lot of people utilize discipline to do that but do you think there's a way to implement priority into that this is a really good question i i love the way that you went in the first way like i i love the the first direction that you went with this which is that okay so maybe looking at the bigger picture which is exactly what pretty much we always try to do we go okay i hate this class i don't want to do this test this homework sucks but if i don't do it I'm not going to get the passing grade. Therefore, I'm not going to be able to graduate and get the job that I've been wanting. And then if the job's going to lead me to such and such and so on and so forth. And so there's this big picture now, giant, shiny carrot, right? And you think, oh, I should do it. That's a big fucking carrot and a sizable stick because now I could fuck all that up, right? And that's exactly what we try to do. We try to do that. We go big picture. And sometimes that works. I never found it very effective. Uh, for a short term, it works, right? But then all of a sudden you start to kind of go, ah, oh, yeah, maybe that's beyond my reach. And you start to develop, you know, this idea that you're not going to get your goal anyway and your momentum starts to die a little bit faster. And it's just because the carrot's not enough, the stick's not enough. And, and at the end of the day, you just don't care. So um, I think that can help to some degree, but it's not enough on its own. I, I think that you have to actually go small picture. Like I think it, it really just has to come back down to, well, I'm in biology. 
this is this is where I am. I'm in biology. I'm in this phase of my schooling. Today is what's happening. Um, I could be thinking about myself. I could be thinking about my future. I could be worried about what I'm going to do later. I could worry about everybody's expectations of how I'm going to graduate, or, or I could worry about my own thoughts about how I'm going to graduate. I could worry about the future. I could worry about the past. I could worry about all this stuff, what people perceive me, how I'm going to do next year, what course I'm going to take, what job I'm going to have, how much I'm going to make, so on and so forth. Or, or I could just read the fucking page in front of me because that's what's real here and now. And in doing so, take some enthusiastic, enthusiastic interest in the fact that my life has actually allotted me time to learn about this thing. And by allotted me time, I mean, I put myself here. Maybe I have a student loan. You know, either way, I'm in school. So why not take advantage of where I am? And that's the priority. The priority is not where it's getting you. The priority is not even you know, doing the test so much as doing what's in front of you. It's just doing what, what's in front of you. See, to me, the priority in life is how much conflict am I creating for myself? My priority is not where I'm going. My priority is how to align with where I am. My priority is how to get the most out of what I am moment to moment to moment. But because of that, regardless of the work that I'm doing, I go wholeheartedly into it. Not because it means anything about me, not because it's getting me anywhere, but because it is the moment that I'm in. Right. And so that becomes my priority. And as a result, I get very good at the things that I do. Right. But it's not through any effort to get good at the things I do outside of for myself in this moment. Right. Like I, I mentioned before that I helped create a signage shop at one point in my past. And we had this giant, it was like 14 foot CNC machine. And for anybody who doesn't know what a CNC machine is, it's basically this giant rotating drill bit that cuts out signs and other shapes out of materials like well pretty much anything from foam to metal and uh i didn't know how to do any of that i didn't know how to do any of that i'm like yeah i can do that and i started learning how to do that and, and it became a whole business but the point was is that i was wholeheartedly in what i was doing why because it was fucking cool like admittedly as much as i was like yeah great we're creating a sign job i'm like i've never done this look at this giant thing you know and, and it was just what can i design and i came up with all kinds of weird designs because of course i had to test it out i had to learn i had to experiment with things right so backlit signs really neat designs all kinds of different fonts and shit why because it was cool and it was entertaining, regardless of the fact that it also paid my bills and it was a job and so on and so forth. Fact is, is if I was doing it as a way to like create a career for myself for now, I'm in the signage business and all that shit, there would have been so much frustration because obviously I'm not in the signage business anymore. I feel like that enthusiasm for doing something despite it being a job is almost like rare these days like the you explaining that saying like oh it's a it's a cool thing to do like it's so it really is kind of rare for people to have a job where they're like yeah it's cool i i actually enjoy it. it's like people have to flip perspective like yeah it's a job it makes it makes me money so i can do things that are actually cool but that's still just a subjective opinion so i think i feel like with any types of situations like that there's a number of things in play but even understanding that you could do anything in each moment you look at things and you're able to 
see things a little bit more clearly as opposed to thinking this is what I have to do and then sort of avoiding it. It's like you could do all these things. And there is a sense of I especially felt this in school where, you know, you you have something, you know, a test to study for a paper to write or something. And, you know, you got to do that thing. And so it's always in the back of your head. It's always kind of sitting there. And so, yeah, you, you avoid it because you're like, I don't want to do that. And you go play, say you go play video games for a couple hours. Like you're not fully enjoying those video games or you go watch a movie or a TV show or do anything. You're not going to fully enjoy it because, you know, there's no way to escape it. It's kind of like, you know, in manifestation, lying to yourself. It's like you can say it all you want. You can say you have, you know, 10 million dollars, but you're just lying to yourself and you're just perpetuating the state of lack that you're you're feeling and you're trying to escape through then lying to yourself. So I think there is a component of that, but we get so caught in thinking that's what I have to do. That's what I need to do right now. But when you take a step back and almost come at it from the other point of view, like this isn't something I have to do, but I'm going to do it eventually. There's all these things that I could do. I could do anything right now. There's actually things about this that would be enjoyable to experience. It's it's a thing to experience. And without so much of a opinion about every fucking thing that you do, everything kind of becomes a little bit more neutral just in the uncertainty in the recognition that this is an experience I could have don't know what it's going to be like don't know what I'm going to learn from it don't know down the road where I'm going to be able to reference this or utilize this or whatever it's like there isn't such a stark finality to our opinion of the thing anymore and then there aren't these judgments that are attached to every experience like studying bad boring hate it video games fun enjoyable relaxing it's like no they're both just experiences you don't know what you're going to get out of them what you're going to learn from them and so without all of that objective opinion like this is this this is that i have to do this i shouldn't do this There's so much more. It's like you can loosen up a little bit and look at things from such a clearer perspective. And then it kind of comes around full circle to see and like, all right, I got to do this. I'm going to do it at some point. When I do it, it's going to be now. Might as well make it this now. And so I think there's just so many components that you can keep in mind when going through experiences like that, like recognizing the inevitability relaxing into the uncertainty of the experience, seeing that there's things to learn from everything, even if it is studying for what you think is the most boring thing ever, there's still something to learn. You don't know what it's going to be like. And so I think all of those definitely help. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to mention to everybody who's in the comment section. Yes, we're answering questions. If you have any questions, feel free to drop them in the comment section uh, and we'll do our best to get to them as we go. We're here for like another hour or so. So feel free to jump in. But uh, it's funny because this kind of reminds me of how I eat. And I know that sounds really funny, but when I eat, there's a certain degree of strategy that goes into this. And I don't understand. I don't know if you do this as well, um, but let's take away 
let's make this a priority. Let's just say that you, in fact, don't get a lot of time to eat and that whenever you have a meal, it's important you eat that meal, like the whole meal because of the nutrients and the fact that you need to continue on through life. So let's make that a priority, that you must eat the meal. The idea of wasting food is, in fact, stupid because you're setting yourself back. Let's just say. So you're going to make the most out of the meal that you're given. Okay. Now, what if that meal is split up amongst things that you really like, kind of like, and don't like at all? How are you going to eat that meal? Now, for me, and I know everybody who knows me knows this, I almost always eat the shit I don't like first. Almost always. Sometimes, especially if it's something I really don't like, I will kind of intersperse it in between bites of shit that I do like, you know, just to mix it up and make it a little bit more palatable. Well, how is that any different than living? There's going to be things that you don't like eating. There are going to be things that you do like eating, but you have to eat it all. The whole point is the experience. The whole point is the entire plate because it, it all enriches you. It all fulfills you. It all gives you sustenance to bring you to the next meal. And so you want to make the most of that, but you got to be strategic about this shit. Occasionally, doing your biology isn't necessarily a bad thing if it leads you to things in biology that you actually do enjoy. See, that's the funniest part about going through the shit you don't like about learning something new is that now you've learned something new, which means that you can see other things later. You've just opened up a whole new section of the plate with entirely different tastes and, and flavors, and you don't even recognize it. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to go and eat your way through the Brussels sprouts, as it were. You know, despite the fact that you don't like the Brussels sprouts, at least there's other things as well, but you are going to continue on to the next meal. And that's going to be an experience as well. I do the same thing pretty much. Um, yeah. uh, I, I always find it fascinating when people don't do it that way, when they're like eating what they really like first, and then they're just sitting there looking at the you know, bowl of I don't know, beets or Brussels sprouts or broccoli or, or something. And I will say there's usually a way to cook certain things you don't like that will make them a little more palatable, not even like with crazy sauces necessarily, but just with some seasoning and whatnot and the Coward. way it's cooked. <laughs> uh, you don't have to eat the shitty stuff and make it super shitty. And and there's ways even to mix it in to certain meals, like uh, putting broccoli in like an omelet or something. But Anyway, that's uh, kind of besides the the point and direction of this uh, specific uh, conversation because it is it is funny how we we see meals and food in that way and don't necessarily see life in that way because I think when someone gets caught in the conversation of you know priorities and what are you prioritizing it it can almost turn into uh, a scapegoat, an excuse, a means of avoiding certain things that maybe you're not as enthusiastic about or passionate about. But so it's, it's that understanding combined with uncertainty, combined with the letting go of your opinion of the situation. Like that is something to learn from in and of itself as well. So it's a, it's a multitude of factors at play. And I think letting go of your objective opinion doesn't mean that you're not going to have leanings towards certain things, but it isn't so stark of a opinion 
anymore. And so you're more willing to experience different things and, and understanding that a lot of times the things you thought you really wouldn't like really wouldn't enjoy, you know, we're afraid of doing, we're worried about doing and it being things you really enjoy doing. And you could have put that off forever, but there was a number of things you then were able to learn from doing that thing. And so the more things like that you experience, the more willing I think you are to not just go towards the the thing you always enjoy because uh, you can do that you know all the time but then you're not going to learn as much because a lot of times the things we enjoy are the things that we're good at and the things we're more comfortable with and and so that's where that opinion comes from and so through going through the things that you're not maybe you don't really have a natural incl inclination towards a lot of times that's just the stuff that you haven't done as much. And so you're not as good at it. And that's really a lot of where our opinions come from. Like when you're growing up, if you're good at certain sports and not as good at other sports, you're probably going to say the ones you're good at are your favorite sports to play. But you could probably learn a lot from the ones that you feel like you weren't as good at, including just humility too like the the willingness to step into a situation because anytime you step into a new situation you're not going to be amazing at it but that's where you learn the most like that first period of trying it stepping into it trying something new failing a bunch like that's when the largest amount of learning and growth and experience actually happens is in the the first you know 100 tries as opposed to once you've done it a thousand times those next hundred, you're not going to learn nearly as much about yourself, about the situation. So once you get good at something, but that's what we attach to because we're living in a world of concepts and in our, in our idea of ourselves, And so everything is just a massive risk to that being diminished. And so because we're so afraid, we're like, yeah, I could try something new, but I'm good at this. And I don't want people to think of me in a certain way as a failure or think of myself as a failure. But without that idea, there isn't so much fear of that anymore. And you're willing to step in. You're willing to prioritize your experience and make the most of that because you're prioritizing you and, and your life. What's the fear of, what's the point of fearing failure if you know that it's not going to mean anything about you? Like as that concern for other people's judgments begins to be diminished, like that idea of failure is, isn't so relevant anymore. It's like, who's it, who's it for? Who, who are you really living for? The person who's going to think something about you or who might think something about you that you'll never actually know for sure? Are you going to prioritize you and, and your experience and the things that you're going through and what you're learning? It's really interesting because we really do tend to think that learning is this process of somehow thinking about ourselves, right? We don't understand that that just because we think about ourselves through the process of learning, that doesn't actually mean that we have to do that to the same degree, because it's true. Like I could teach you anything. Like we could, we could take anything that you don't know and just start practicing it just a little bit at a time, expanding on what we understand about that thing a little bit more each and every day and never once think about your progress. Never once judge whether or not you can do a thing in the future, whether something is beyond you or anything like that. Just step by step as you're comfortable, expanding upon what you know, as it becomes familiar, expanding a little bit upon that, just for the sake of, of seeing where it goes. That's learning. And, and we do that all the time. You know, it's interesting because um, there, there's this great 
study. I don't know what you'd call it, but basically they took a bunch of, of chimpanzees and they put them in front of a screen. And on that screen, they would flash the numbers one to nine in different order, always constantly in different orders, but they would literally just flash it on the screen, just, and it was gone. And the chimp without even batting an eye would just go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, with the numbers not there anymore, perfectly. And just do it over and over and over and over again. And whenever it made a mistake, which was rare, it would just reset it and do it again. There would be no emotional upset. It would be no reaction to getting it wrong. It was just, oh, oh, that didn't happen, next. And then it would do it right. But that's the focus that we're talking about, right? There's intelligence in play. There's intelligence in action right there. How many humans do you think could do that without forgetting what the numbers on the screen were? Do you think they're forgetting what the numbers on the screen were? Or do you think that all of a sudden they're thinking about their progress? And that's cutting off the flow of intelligence, which would have otherwise been making it easier for them to remember. Because that's the thing. We're always in our own way. How often are we learning something and then go, oh, man, this is really hard. I don't know if I get this. And we've totally lost our train of thought. So are we as advanced as we think we are, or have we totally forgotten what intelligence is? It really is like, that's what it comes down to. Your idea of yourself hinders intelligence from being expressed. Like without that, it just always is that. And it doesn't mean that it's always going to, you know, perform, quote unquote, perform super well, like like the chimpanzee there, they still made some mistakes. It was just, there was zero concern for what it meant. It wasn't. So it's not even considered a mistake. It's just something that happened. And then the remembering of it was also something that happened. It wasn't this success failure because as soon as those come in it means something about you, I succeeded or I failed. And so it's always just our idea of ourselves That's getting in the way of intelligence being expressed because even even on the side of the positive idea of yourself that's still going to be hindering your ability to explore other things because no matter what there's going to be that fear and concern even if you get good at something and that's an aspect of your positive idea of yourself there's going to be more concern for stepping into other situations that you don't feel as good at. And that's why you see people who get really good at something. They don't usually venture into completely uncharted territory because it's the idea of themselves. There's a lot at, a lot at risk right here. They've built this one pretty high up. They can't risk that being diminished. They would lose everything because they think it actually exists. Like they think it's actually a real thing. That idea of ourselves. We actually think that it it's something that we can point to and sit on and express and maintain and compare our idea to someone else's. We're just comparing made-up bullshit. We're comparing illusions. We're comparing things that don't actually exist in reality, just conceptual frameworks, and none of them are the same for any of us, about anyone else, about ourselves. So it's all different. I, I think we talked about this a month or two ago, just how we have this idea, say, of ourselves. That idea is completely different for everybody else. We think that there's some objectivity to these concepts, to these ideas. My idea of that person your, and your idea of that person, they're probably pretty similar. They're not. They're not the same at all. They're completely different. 
And yet we think there is some semblance of the same. But when you see that, like every person has a different idea of every other person. So it's all singular ideas of each person that exists inside of your mind. It's all your mind. So that's going to dictate your experience. And so we're comparing these with each other and we're comparing apples and oranges every single time we compare or judge someone or think that like, it's so funny because we really do think there is some overlap. There is some overlap to our concepts, to our ideas of anything really, even, you know, this coffee mug, everyone has an idea of a coffee mug. None of them are objectively exactly the same. It's all going to be tiny little, even if it's just a tiny little difference, none of them are going to be the same based on our opinion of coffee, our experience with coffee mugs. Like, I know this seems like a silly example, but it is so true. And the more complex that things get, you know, going from a coffee mug to say a computer to a dog to a human being, like the more complex it is, the less overlap there's going to be for that idea. So coffee cup, maybe there's a decent amount of overlap. None of the ideas are going to be the same. And then with humans, there's going to be maybe a tiny bit of overlap, but it's going to be way less, way lower of a percentage than a coffee mug or a computer or a dog or anything like that. And yet we still think, we think there's actually, it's fully overlapped our idea of things and everyone else's, but it isn't, it never is like, it's, it's funny that it, it's something that isn't super obvious, but it isn't. We really do think that our ideas of ourselves are the same as everyone else's idea of ourselves. Our opinion of other people, our ideas of other people are the same. And they're not like, they're not even close to fully overlapping. There's some tiny little overlaps, but that's it. It is not objective by any means. And through recognizing that, there's so much less concern for that idea because you know that every single idea is only you settling upon a certainty that doesn't actually exist. For convenience, more than anything. I mean, it's kind of like what you're saying about the coffee cup. Like, there's a lot that somebody could learn about your coffee cup. Like, There's people out there, for example, who would be able to have an opinion on the kind of ceramic that that coffee cup is, is made of and how, how it was fired in, in a kiln and who, maybe who manufactured it or, you know, different sizes and what, you know, what era that size became popular as a kind of coffee cup, because, you know, there are different, there's a history to cups, right? And then there's a, a history of ceramics and there's a history of cylindrical containers throughout time. And there's, there are experts in this, like, for God's sake, there are people out there, shit you not, um, who get paid thousands of dollars for their sense of smell. That's it for their sense of smell. They will they will take a, a scent and be able to tell you exactly what that is, right? what year, the whole thing. Like they they are experts in terms of their sense of smell, and they are hired and paid by perfume companies and a lot of other different types of industries because of that sense of smell. Like that is a finely developed sense. Like how rare is that that in terms of knowledge? And that person would have a damn different perspective of pretty much anything you gave them. Anything. You could be like, oh, would you like some cashews? And they, and they would tell you what region it's from and who grew it, you know, things like that. Like, you'd be like, I just thought they were cashews, right? And that just goes to show you, like, and this is the reason that context and experience is so important. It changes everything. 
you can learn a certain amount of things and then go and have an experience and go, I loved that experience. And then come back to that experience five years later as a different person and enjoy that experience again, again, but as a different person. Like that's incredible. That is incredible. If you just continue to widen your context, you're always widening your life. You're always expanding yourself. That's why experience is so important. That's why it's so important to question things, right? Because then you grow, you see more of you, you see more of what you're capable of, you see more of what you can see, which is really cool. Yeah, even because uh, this reminds me of a video I posted uh, maybe two weeks ago about uh, how shitty it would be if everything was certain, like if you knew exactly how every single day was going to go before it went every intricate detail, every situation that you go through, every opinion that everyone had of, of every situation that you interacted with. And <clears throat> I got some comments like, this is my life. I do know how every day is going to go exactly. And it's so, it's so boring. Like thanks nine to five corporate America for allowing this to happen. And that's discounting you, as you just said, you can go through the same situation a million times every single day, back to back to back to back to back. And they're all going to be different because you're different. We discount that. And I think that's because we maintain an idea of ourselves, And so we go into work every day or do whatever every day. And we think we're doing the same thing over and over and over because we're maintaining the same idea of ourselves and clinging to that false certainty. But the reality is that we're different every single time we go through it. So sure. Every Monday, maybe you get up, get a coffee, drive to work, go to work, say hi to that person, sit down at your desk, do all those things. But the only reason you think it's the same exact experience every single time is because you think that you're not changing in each and every moment. You discount the fact that you are change every single day. And so all of those experiences, as much as we can label them as, oh, they're basically, it's basically the same thing. So tedious, so monotonous my life's so boring. We're discounting how much influence we have. Like there's a whole component to the situation being you that's changing, that's having impact on that situation. You are an element of that situation, of that experience that you're going through. So we discount that. And so through recognizing that we can't be certain about ourselves ever, every situation, even the ones that we feel like are repeating every day is new and different. And when you're actually paying attention to it, when you're actually there for it, not caught up in thinking what's going to happen later in the day or next week, or what this thing is going to mean about you next month, or how it's going to lead you to, to a promotion, your attention is where you're at. And then you can see the uniqueness in each and every moment. But I think we get so caught in concepts and trying to find that certainty that we don't realize how different and new every experience could possibly be because we're not actually paying attention to the experience. We've created a conceptual idea of what that experience is, our opinion of it. It's like, I have this job. I don't like this job. And now I have to maintain this opinion of it, despite it possibly getting better or having the opportunity to improve if we just stopped settling upon this certainty. So understanding how different each and every situation is, it almost informs itself it's like a give and take through recognizing that you'll be more attentive to the situation because you're like this is a brand new experience each and every time you go through it and then because you're paying attention you'll realize 
how brand new of an experience that it is. And then you'll pay more attention to it. You'll realize how new it is, pay more attention to it. And then it's like this vicious cycle in the other direction, the other side of the spectrum that you've been going away from for your entire life because you're not paying attention and you're settling upon the idea that it's the same thing. And so you're not paying attention, settling upon an idea that gives you less incentive to pay attention. And it's like, you can go that way or you can go the other way. And that really comes down to you and your priority. That's really interesting because it really does come down to whether or not you're prioritizing your life, your existence and, and what that means, right? Because it's interesting in the here and now, despite not going anywhere, we're always kind of going somewhere. And, and the only question is, is how or why? And, and, and so this is why often I've said, like, if you're not talking to your brain, it's talking to you. Right. And it's usually not saying anything other than we're good here. Don't move. Don't change. Don't question. Just <laughs> nobody moves. Nobody dies. That kind of thing. Um, but if you're talking to your brain, then you're like, right, but there's more to life. You know, there, there are things maybe we're not seeing. There are ways that we can grow some strength that we can gain and things like that. And your brain, you know, doesn't tend to default to that because it's just trying to keep you comfortable and safe and, and, and not dead because everything that we do in terms of growth also entails some risk. And so the brain doesn't like it right? Ever. There's always some risk in changing who you are and the comfort that goes with that and the familiarity and all that. All of a sudden you're going into the unknown every time you change and the brain doesn't like that at all because there's that uncertainty again. So there's this whole loop, excuse me, that we do. And it's important to willingly do that loop to some degree. And so what I mean is we have a question here. Ever since I left spirituality and not doing any spiritual practices, I lost a sense of comfort that I used to have any thoughts. And I want to make it very clear that what was the purpose of the spiritual practices outside of coming to prioritize your own existence? Like in doing these spiritual practices, what are you doing? You're saying my existence is my own. I want to align with it. I want to be free, right? I want to get out of my own way. All of that stuff, tired of suffering, tired of going through the egotistical crap. Okay. So the reason those spiritual practices offer some degree of comfort is because they give you some sense of control. They give you some sense of control that you are in fact going in that direction, becoming that person. But they also create an idea of the person that you're going to become and that's the danger of them. And so we walk away from the spiritual practices. But you see, the comfort was with the familiarity. The comfort is your brain going, aha, I know who I am. I know who I'm becoming now. Which means that it's getting in your way. So rather than trying to get back to that comfort try to put it in perspective recognize that that's the case and then take comfort in the fact that you are gaining strength right now by not being comfortable that you are in fact growing you're doing exactly what it is you wanted to do it's just not what you thought it was because it never is relying on, on these things for some sense of comfort takes away from your faith in yourself it takes away from the recognition that you don't need them. That's all. And there's nothing wrong with doing them by any means. And if you want to do spiritual practices, go ahead. But as I said, you know, just because you can use a crush doesn't mean you need to, right? But take comfort in that. Like, there's a lot of comfort in using a crutch. You know, yeah, I only have to carry half the weight. This is really quite nice, right? To some degree. But you lose the mobility of being able to walk. So where's your comfort coming from? Is it coming from the familiar or is it coming from you, your expanding sense of freedom and ability? 
Exactly. Because freedom and uncertainty go hand in hand. It's almost like, you know, th this for this example specifically, if you've gotten comfortable with doing some spiritual practices, now you're not doing it anymore. And now you're kind of uncertain, not able to settle upon that certainty and the comfort that comes with it and how you fit into each and every situation. It's kind of comparable to like traveling and going previously, you were holding on to, you know, the spiritual practices and whatnot. And you're traveling to basically the same place every single time. Getting on a plane, you had your bags packed, packed the same luggage every time, going to the same location every single time. And it's it's cool, but it's limited. You've kind of done it a bunch. And and say you have a whole itinerary while you're there. So you pretty much know what you're going to do, who you're going to see. There's not much variability in your experience. And so you do that for a while. So you do that for a year. Every couple of weeks, you go on that same exact trip. Eventually, you're like, all right, I, I know this. I want to experience something new, something a little more uncertain. And so letting go of those practices of that certainty is like going and maybe not packing any bags, packing less and kind of getting on a plane and, and not knowing where you're going to go and just finding out once you get there, which, which forces you to prioritize each and every moment. It's not this thing that you can have this idea of where it's going to go and, and just checking the boxes of, all right, I'm going on this trip because I want to feel better about myself so or feel more relaxed. And so there's all these expectations going into it where if, if you just get on a plane, you're like, all right, I'm going to go here. And you just go there and you get off the plane, don't have anything booked yet, not planning on doing anything. That can be scary or it can be super fucking exciting, especially when you're used to doing the same thing, going on the same trip over and over and over and over again. It's like, Sure, there's still technically you're on vacation, you're doing the whole thing, you're you're you don't have as many as much responsibility, but it's obvious in that example how quickly you'll get comfortable with that and want a new experience, but you can't have that new experience, that state of of real freedom without having the uncertainty. You can't both be certain about how your day is going to go, where it's going to lead, where you're going to go, where you're going to stay and have all of that freedom. The more certain, the more certainty, the more control you attempt to implement into the situation, the less freedom you have. You're always taking from freedom every time you settle upon a certainty or, or plan something in advance and try and plan everything out and know exactly how things are going to go. You're never actually going to know, but there is a sort of ability to limit your own freedom through prioritizing that desire for certainty and control, but you can't have both. So it it comes down to you. If you want to go back to the spiritual practices and the false comfort that comes with that, like feel free, you can go back to them, but you're sacrificing your freedom. You are sacrificing that freedom. And that freedom is like traveling without packing so many bags or knowing where you're going to stay or who you're going to interact with or how your day is going to go. Like, yeah, it, it can be uncomfortable at first until you realize how fucking exciting that is, until you realize how cool it is to be able to do that, to have that experience and just find out. And then, as I was saying, it, it forces you to prioritize the moment that you're in because there isn't any idea of where it's going. You don't have preset plans. So the only option is to be attentive to where you're at. And that's 
your life. No matter how many plans you make, if you're not attentive to where you're at, you're not prioritizing your life. You're prioritizing the situation and, and what it means. And so letting go of that, stepping into each and every moment, not knowing where it's going to go or where it's going to lead to, you can't not prioritize the experience that you're having present moment. And so, you know, the more you plan, the more preset things you have, the more meditation routines or, you know, morning routines you cling to or any type of routine specifically, it's limiting your freedom. It's taking little bits away from it each and every time. So again, comes down to your priority. Nothing wrong with having a bunch of routines, a bunch of things like that. But the discomfort that you feel when you let that go is investing more into the potential freedom that you can experience because that uncertainty and freedom go hand in hand. And that uncertainty can be uncomfortable at first when you're used to thinking that you can know when you're used to planning and, and having preset ideas of how things are going to go. That uncertainty will be uncomfortable at first, but that's stepping into that freedom. And that is just really learning how to balance all of that. Because that's it. Like we say, you know, embrace uncertainty and all that, but you're still like, right, but you know, I got to arrange like plane tickets and shit. And it's like, yeah, that that that's true. There's a balance as with everything. And this is something that it's important to keep in mind that it, there is no one thing that you must do. Like you must not always be present. You must not always be in control. You know, that kind of thing. There's a, there's a balance. And, and so what I mean is that, well, okay, so perfect example. We have the Colorado trip coming up. June 9th, I'm going to be in Denver um, until June 19th. That's most of what I know about what's going to happen in Colorado. Um, I know that we have locations already booked, so there was some planning there. I don't know what we're going to do during those stays. I have no idea what I have no idea what I'm going to do in between when because uh, we've got a mini retreat and then a mini retreat and then I've got like three days in between where I'm just going to be fucking around Denver, which which is going to be great. But I have no idea what's in Denver and I, I have no intention of going to look either because that would ruin it for me. Frankly, that would just fucking ruin it because I understand like I can go to a city and not know what the fuck I'm doing and figure it out. I've done it numerous times in my life. And, and so there's a certain degree of planning because you can't just show up at an airport and say, I'd like to get on a plane, please. Right. That'd be nice, but you can't. So there's a certain degree of planning that goes into that. You want to know maybe where you're staying. Do you have to know where you're staying? No, not at all. You can just fly somewhere and find a place to stay. You really can do that. Um, and it's having, again, the understanding that you can do that because really the biggest part is the fear. Well, how would I do that? You'd figure it out. You really would. You know, so often we get in our way and we're just like, oh, I don't know if I could, how would I stop that? Like, just, just try work it out one step at a time. Like, just stop, settle down. What's the first conceivable thing that you can understand to do next? And then that will lead you to another thing, which will lead you to another thing. And this is the process of learning, right? But if we don't immediately have a linear projection of point A to point Z in our head, we freak out. Like, Jesus, what's going to happen at B or C? It's like, you'll find out when you get there. This is an important lesson. It really is. At the end of the day, like, all you can do is what you can do. So you could have your entire trip planned. You could decide when you're going to land, 
when the cab's going to pick you up, where it's going to bring you, what you're going to do the next morning, what you're going to do that afternoon, what you're going to do that evening, what you're going to do the morning after that, where you're going to stay, how you're going to travel, who you're going to meet, where you're going to have dinner, blah, 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 blah. Boom, your plane's fucking late. None of it happens. Cab doesn't show up or gets a flat tire, right? Friends can't make it. Maybe somebody's got COVID. Like the whole point is, is that you never had control. That linear projection in your head doesn't fucking exist. It doesn't exist. In reality, it would be nice. It would be great if it all worked out that way. And occasionally it does. As anybody who's ever laid up dominoes knows, you, know, you can get them in a straight line. So they do what they're supposed to do. But that doesn't mean they always fall the way they want that you want them to. Like, that's the whole point. Life is very variable. So it's just being willing to recognize that you can have influence. You can try to contemplate what you might be dealing with in the future. You don't know. You don't know. The more experience you have, the more you're going to recognize that you don't know. And that's going to make you consider even more things. And that's the process of learning as a whole. But again, part of that is just jumping in and accepting that you're never going to know. You're just never going to know. And that's important. But that all said, again, you can you can try and, and, and occasionally throw shit out there like this right here, right now. I'm going to throw this out. There's no details as yet, because, of course, this is something that Patreon members are going to know. June 14th, I'm going to be in Denver. Now, June 14th is a Wednesday. And as anybody knows who knows me, I fucking love karaoke. I really do. I really enjoy karaoke. Now, there's no retreats happening on June 14th. It's just a Wednesday with me fucking around in Denver. So. On that day, on Patreon, we're going to tell you where I am doing karaoke with Andrew. And if you're in the area, you should join us. Now, I say all that like it's a done deal. Do I know it's a done deal? No, it may not happen at all. But just so you know, I have looked up karaoke places. There is a couple of places on Wednesday. So, you know, that's out there now. It's totally possible. On June 14th, you could be doing karaoke with us at a bar in Denver. Is that a guarantee? No, it's not. But if you would like to know the details as we get closer, join us on Patreon. Amen. And it's, uh, it's, it's so interesting how we like, we like to think that we know how things are going to work out and how they're going to play out. And we never do, but we convince ourselves that we could. And all, almost all the most fun experiences that I've had have, have been that kind of spur of the moment decision. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, where this is going to go, but let's find out. And it, it really is that balance. Like, uh, for example, even, even me. So going from, uh, LA to San Diego. So I had Airbnb and both had to check out, um, of my LA place by yesterday morning at 10 and then check in. I couldn't check into this place till three. So two nights ago, I was, uh, it was probably like four in the afternoon and I was like, yeah, I'm probably just going to have an early night, get up early and, and leave Venice and maybe, you know, meet, meet up with a friend while I'm, uh, waiting for my San Diego place. And then was talking to one of my friends who lives about an hour South of LA, which is ha almost halfway between, uh, San Diego. And I was like, we were talking about what he was up to that night and uh he was going out meeting up with some friends this was saturday night had to be out of venice by uh la by sunday morning and i was like you know what i could do i could just leave now check out pack up meet up with 
with you guys and then I can just hang during the day with you guys and then get to San Diego. So, yes, there was the balance of having a place and having another place, but everything in between all that stuff is completely up for debate. You know, it's up to to find out. And so, yeah, I was like, fuck it. And so I just packed up all my shit in like an hour and just drove down there and showed up, met up with his friends that I had never met before. And we had a great night and hung out and it was a good time. And it was, it was, if I was so rigid in thinking, you know, God, I, well, I already had this plan. Got to stay here, you know, check out at this point and then get there. It's like in my head, that was kind of loose plan I had for the week coming up to that point. And then the day came and it was like, all right, here's something I could do and I can do this. And, and it's just stepping into that. It was going out in a place I'd never been and with people that I didn't know. And uh, let's, let's find out, see how it goes. And it was a ton of fun, but so it, it really is. And I think that's an important point to get across that balance of you don't have to, it's not that everything has to be so, so uncertain, unplanned, because I think people like with a lot of the things we talk about, they'll take it to this extreme and think, oh, so planning's bad. So then how do I do anything? How do I even plan for anything? So I should just, so I should just show up to the airport and buy a flight ticket and then, and then leave and not even know where I'm going. It's like, no, you don't have to do that. You can plan when you plan for something, you're focused on the planning, but you're not so caught in thinking that, you know, exactly how it's going to go. It's like creating some semblance of a very loose structure of the things of like, you know, the location that you'll be in and how you're getting there. But in terms of the actual experience that you have there, which is like the other 99% of it, you don't have to have a set plan for that. And then when you do also, you don't have to get so caught in thinking that that is how it's going to be. Like there were people, I was able to meet up with a decent amount of people, but there was a bunch of people that, you know, I wanted to meet up with and, and wasn't able to, or had, you know, we had some plans and then they text me last minute and like, Hey man, so sorry. Like something came up, blah, blah, blah. And they would apologize. And I just be like, uh, there would be no feeling of, Oh man, does this mean, do they maybe not like me? Like, is that why they're not doing this? Like they're not, they're prioritizing this over hanging with me. I haven't seen them in so long. Like those are all things that people go through when they're, when they're living their life. And it's just so unnecessary. Like you don't know why they had to do that or, or what it's gone through. And, and most likely 99% of the time it has zero to do with you whatsoever. And it's actually quite egotistical to think that everyone who changes plans and, and isn't able to meet up with you or, you know, wants to meet up with you or whatever is all about you. Like you don't think that they're prioritizing their own life you think they're thinking about you for more than like two minutes a day when they're responding to you it's like no they have their own entire situation that they're going through they're not spending time thinking about how you're spending your day or what you may be concerned about if they change their plans and whatnot it's just things happen things are playing out you don't know what they're leading to you don't know what they mean you don't know what anything means about you ever and so just being willing to be attentive to where you're at and let go of the the idea and the concern for how things are playing out 
as if you could ever possibly know how they're playing out or what they mean about you. But that's it, right? Like it's that feeling of uncertainty. Like everything that you just said on the surface sounds really good. And on the surface sounds really bad at the same token, right? It's like, what do you mean? I, I don't know. I can't know worse. What do you mean? They're not thinking about me. Does that mean I'm not important? Why isn't anybody thinking about me? Like, there's, there's all this stuff that goes with that. And, and, and that's it, right? Like the less you prioritize your own life, the more you require other people to prioritize your life. And, and that's unfortunately the case. Like we keep expecting other people to be judging us and thinking about us and value, validating us and doing all this stuff because frankly, we're not doing it ourselves. We're not going through any of that stuff in ourselves. We're not talking to ourselves. We're just taking whatever the brain's spitting out at us. And we're just going, oh, fuck, that's reality. Oh, my God. And it's like, no, you actually get to you get to decide what you do with that, that flow of shit. Like, you actually get to decide how you're going to take it, what you're going to do with it, whether you're going to pay attention to it, whether you're going to resist it, whether you're going to run from it, what your preferences about it are, all that shit. Or you could just take it in and learn and grow and change. Right. But. And it's funny to me because I can clearly remember numerous times in my life where this has been the case where i've just been either sitting on on some cement step or sitting on the curb of a street or something hanging my head fucking staring at my feet watching some asshole ant just kind of scurry around my shoe or whatever with this fucking feeling like fuck i don't know what i'm doing jesus christ my life's going to shit i don't know what's happening i don't know what this person thinks about me i think i've lost this friendship or, or i've lost my job or something it's just that sad dejected fucking space that you're in where you're just kind of like and you're just left with yourself in this moment here and now i used to hate those experiences i really didn't like those moments at all you know i really cherish those moments i love those little fucking ants that just happen to be there at those moments. It's like, great, thank you for doing something other than worrying about me, because at least they're reminding me that life goes on without me, right? It, but it's just that, it's those uncomfortable moments where we're just like, oh God, what do I do? And we can't stop thinking about ourselves when we could just watch the ant or get up and go for a walk. But instead we're sitting there sad, dejected, desperate to find some idea of where the hell we're gonna go from here. And we never know. We never know, even if we convince ourselves, we know we have this, this unfortunate habit of deciding to map out our entire trajectory. It's like, oh, what am I going to do for a job? And it starts early. You know, it starts early. What do you want to do for a job, Timmy? What do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, Jesus Christ, I don't even know what grown up means. And you want me to figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? You know, and there's some certainty in that. We're like, yeah, okay, figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. That sounds really good because then I know I don't have to think about it anymore, right? It's a pretty clean cut trajectory. So it's so tempting, but so limiting and so imprisoning because you shouldn't be thinking about what do you want to do for the rest of your life? You should be thinking, what do you want to do next? Just what do you want to do next? And then if you decide to change, you can change. But how often do we do that? How often do we get into a job? We work at that job. We decide this is the job I want. We progress in the job. Five years goes by. Maybe we've had a couple of raises or a promotion, but we've decided, I don't know if I really enjoy this job so much. Well, I can't just leave. Why? Why? Did, did something happen where you can't do the exact same goddamn process you just did with this job? Has something changed about your potential? No, you've just gotten comfortable with what's familiar and what's familiar is addictive because it's familiar. But your potential hasn't changed. You could get up, go to your boss's office and say, you know, I'm sorry. I'm really just 
I'm not feeling this anymore. So I'm going to give you a month and then I'm going to leave. You can do that. You can absolutely, now immediately you're going to go, well, yeah, well, what am I going to do? Where am I going to get a job? Where, where am I going to live? How am I going to pay my rent? Figure it out. The point is, is that figure it out from an entirely new perspective of somebody who doesn't have that fucking job. That's how you feel different. That's how you experience something different by changing something. That's it. But you tell yourself you can't. You tell yourself it's a bad idea. You tell yourself there's some great risk in doing so. There is a great risk in leaving your house there's a great risk in getting up and going into your kitchen. How many deaths in the house happen on a set of stairs or in the bathroom? There's a great risk in existing. Is that a good enough excuse for you to just sit there and wallow in self-pity and misery because you feel like it'd be a stupid move for you to change and be uncertain? That's where you discover how much you are. That's where you start to feel alive. So if you're not feeling alive, you can change that by just changing something, by making yourself uncertain and uncomfortable and seeing your way through it. But most of the time, we just reach for something that's familiar. We just take what we've done and the fact that we've somehow gotten good at doing it up until now, and we forget. We can do that with any, anything. We can do that with everything. You can go from being a dental hygienist to a goddamn spelunker. You want to learn how to spelunk? You go learn how to spelunk. And all of a sudden, you're caving. Did you know you could do that? No, because you didn't leave the dentist office. Uh, and we always maintain this perspective that we have to solve the issue before taking any action. Like the example you were expressing, sitting there, you know, feeling dejected, feeling, thinking about your life and how you fit into everything, not knowing where you're going or what anything means about you. And we think we have to find a cessation of that before we can do anything. We're like, all right, I got to just fix this perception. Let's figure out a way to feel better about ourselves. And then we can go step back into reality. And that's almost always the, the path that people think you have to take when they're in that state of feeling down. They're like, all right, going to figure out why, going to solve that going to settle on that certainty and then everything will be good. And then I'll be able to continue living my life. Like you're still living your life. There's no pause button on life. There's no way to be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this. And then, and then I'm going to go keep living. Like actually living it is the thing that allows for that to naturally subside. Like how many times do we get caught in our own head doing some shit? And then we just go do some stuff. And then we're like, oh, remember when I was taking that super seriously? Like, you don't have to solve it yourself. Problems of the mind can't be solved at the level of the mind. That whole, was that Einstein that said that? Yeah. And But that's what we think we can do. We think that that idea in our head, that idea of ourselves, can be solved by finding a better idea of ourselves or finding a reason. Even that, like, you know, finding an excuse as to, okay, so this person thought of me like this. And then we come up with a reason like, oh, but they're an asshole. And, and people think of them this way. And, and people think that they're not a nice person. So like, and then that makes you feel a little bit better about their thoughts about you. And then you're like, okay, now I feel okay. Now I can go out and live. You can, you can feel shitty and still kind of, and still live. Like you can feel that sitting on the step, thinking about yourself caught up in shit and still go do shit still go interact with people, still go to a 
coffee shop and order a coffee, go on a walk, whatever. And you'll find that as you start just doing more things and experiencing more things, it's just the idea in your head that you're maintaining that's hindering you from seeing beyond that. Like that experience is existing inside of your mind based on the concept of yourself, based on the idea of yourself that doesn't actually exist in reality. It just exists in ideas and concepts. So you can you can make moves, you can take action, no matter how you're feeling, no matter what you're going through. You don't have to solve that feeling because it can't be solved. It's going to naturally subside eventually. Whether you sit there on the stoop for 10 hours or you sit there for five more minutes and then like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go do something. Then you go on a walk. Like there's so many times for myself in the morning where I'm like going through my routine, brushing my teeth, whatever, drinking some water, making some coffee. And I have all these fucking thoughts, all this dumb shit. I'm just like my brain's processing stuff and I'm just paying attention to it. And I'm like, oh man, going, going through whatever insecurities. And then I'm like, all right, I could keep doing this or I go on a walk and then I go on a walk and I'm like looking around kind of involved in the experience and it just hits you how much it's you maintaining that idea as that, as your attention goes to other things, as you begin focusing, as you start giving, you know, your, your priority to the experience that you're having, the walk that you're on, looking around, experiencing, you know, watching a bird fly by, looking at a tree, the wind blow, blow the leaves of the tree, something you start getting involved in that, in that experience, you'll see how it's not something that you have to think your way through to solve. It's just, you're thinking about yourself a bunch and you're caught in it. It's not a loop that you're going to get out of by continuing to think about it. You're not going to think your way out of that experience. Just go do some shit, find out, step into discomfort. And that's the funny part too, is like stepping into an uncomfortable situation or a new situation. You're kind of stuck in that state of uncertainty. So it's very difficult to settle upon that idea that you were mulling over for so long. And, and it kind of forces you out of it. And you'll realize after a few hours, oh, I was just thinking about myself, trying to find a certainty, trying to cling to some idea of control, what something means about me, where something's going. It's not necessary. So you start living your life and prioritizing that experience, that idea and all of the concerns that came with that, that you thought were so serious, weren't. You're not going to fix it by sitting there, thinking your way through it. Get out there and keep living. And you'll realize how, how un solid, how uncertain or solid or whatever you want to say that idea was. It's just an idea that you're maintaining that is never the truth of what you are. And the more clearly you can recognize that, that you can't even settle upon any certainty or idea of yourself, the more you're going to be willing to step into new things because you can't find that certainty. You can't know yourself. So that definitely helps when you're getting caught in that, realizing there's no end to this until I decide to stop. And it's funny, this ties into a question, actually. Um, since we make decisions actively, how do we make decisions in a way that our ego isn't driving them? And there's so much to this question um, in, in a lot of ways, not, not just the fact that any decision that you make, of course, any, any direction that you do choose is part of the whole, right? So 
it may not actually be your ego necessarily driving it. But I, I do want to point out, and, and this is really important, there isn't a direction that you're going to take. There isn't a single journey that you're going to go on in life that is not a potential ego trip. Doesn't matter what it is. As soon as you start something, there's the ability to beat yourself up, judge yourself, boost yourself up, try and be better than others, compare your value based on where you are in the progression of that journey. Doesn't matter what it is. You understand? Doesn't matter if you take up sculpting, if you take up learning how to fly an airplane, doesn't matter if you take up advanced math, it is a potential ego trip as you go from being an amateur to mastery. Because in mastery, you can take yourself super seriously. And that's the lesson is to not do that. Because then you're, you're trapped in that ego trip rather than doing the full circle, pulling everything that you can out of it, not just in terms of learning about the thing, but learning about yourself. And then taking another journey where perhaps you don't get so caught up in your ego. But there isn't a journey you're going to go on that isn't somehow derived from the experience that you're having, right? which is the perception of division. Understand, without the perception of division, without the ego, there's no such thing as a journey. Right? So they're the same thing. So it's not about making a decision without your ego. It's about making a decision considering your ego and its superficial needs. Understanding that journey that my ego wants to go towards is based on the fact that I don't feel like enough in myself. Okay. Maybe I'm not going to entertain that thought. Maybe I'm not going to go for this thing that makes me suddenly more valuable in the eyes of others. Maybe, maybe there's something that I'm interested in based on some passing experience in the past or, or some ongoing enthusiasm for the topic. Maybe there's something that isn't going to reflect on my value whatsoever. People aren't going to give a shit if I'm doing it and has nothing to do with accolades or respect or recognition whatsoever. So it's still derived from my experience of being divided from the universe, but it does not go towards the general ambition of becoming more than I am, more complete, more valuable in comparison to assumptions of others. So it's not about necessarily avoiding the ego so much as, again, considering it, considering when you are fanning the flames as opposed to just enjoying the fire. Yeah, I, I really do think it comes down to how much you think the experience means about you and then the outcome of the experience means about you like you can make decisions and as ray said it's it's important to recognize where certain thought patterns and decisions are stemming from like are they stemming from believing your idea of yourself to be the truth and the needs you perceive yourself to have that may not be so that really are just wants that you think you need because you feel like you lack in yourself but as soon as the outcome of a situation, whatever it may be, means something about you, it's going to hinder your ability to fully experience that thing because there, there's an ulterior motive. There is a fear of being diminished and a desire to become more. When you realize that none of those are even a possibility, it's impossible to experience either, you can just step into the situation because that's what hinders us from making certain decisions usually that maybe we would want to make. We want to try something new and we're like, oh, but there's a lot at risk. There's a lot at stake here. There's an entire, my, me, I am at stake. I am fully at stake in every situation that I go through as long as you are believing that that idea of yourself is the truth of what you are. As, as long as you're caught in believing that there is a potential for the outcome to mean something about you. And so as that drops, as that concern drops, as you understand more and more clearly that your value can't go up, even if this goes well, your value 
is not going up at all. It's an experience that you're having. Through that, you can recognize much more clearly that it's not going to go down. It's impossible to go down. And then you're just stepping into things. It doesn't mean that you're following certain preferences and or getting super caught in like, hmm, is this a ego-based decision or a or a reality of me based decision. It's like it's all it's always both and neither. It's it's always that. And so there doesn't have to be the additional concern for trying to measure which one it is. You're always in flow. Every decision you make is perfect no matter what your idea of it is. And the more attentive you can be, the more, the less concern you can have will dictate, you know, the clarity of those decisions. It doesn't mean that the ones that are super caught in your idea of yourself aren't also in flow, but there is a spectrum that you can experience. And so the less concern you have for it, the more you realize that you can't escape the flow. There's less concern. There's less weight. There's less stress for every situation. And that's going to shift the decisions that you make. That's going to change the the things that you do, the way you step into things, the way you, you know, perceive certain situations or think about certain situations. And so it's, it's just, a big part in my opinion and experience is just the letting go of that concern for what it means, letting go of the idea that you can't even make a right or a wrong decision. It's just the decision that you're making. There isn't the need for the overarching, you know, concern. Oh, is this, is this ego driven? Is this not ego driven? It is what it is. You are yourself. You are your environment. You are as much the experience as any, other component of the experience like you you have that influence in the moment it doesn't mean anything about you but you have the ability to make a decision you don't know what it's going to mean you don't know where it's going to go there is no certainty in the decision so there's no such thing as a right or a wrong decision it's just the decision that you make and how little you cling to what it means about you or where you think it's going to take you more clarity, the less weight, the more freedom you're going to have as you experience that. And then that's going to shift the decisions that you make. But it's not so much about judging where it's coming from, because it's always coming from you. And it's your perspective of yourself that I think shifts how the decisions are made and which decisions are made. Absolutely. And this is it. Like, we, we kind of get in our way, like quite frequently. And we don't, we don't, keep things in perspective. Like, I, I think one of the reasons that I'm so very grateful that so many different things that I've, I've tried and so many different people that I've tried to be in my life have turned in, into ash. Um, because at the end of the day, now I'm always keeping that in perspective. Like, yeah, I don't have to do this. And yeah, I don't, I don't have to participate. I, I could just sit here on my ass. Absolutely. But then I might have to start all this shit over again, it, which is fine, which is fine. But do I really want to do that? And, and if I don't want to do that, then you know, I got to accept that I'm here because I chose to be here and, and, and I'm going to do something. I'm going to get up off my ass and I'm going to do something. But it's largely because I keep in mind, keep in mind two things. I don't have to. I could start from scratch. That's it. See, I don't have to. I could start from scratch again. And that's always true. And both of those things are okay. Do I want to start from scratch is the question. That's really all it is. And if not, then I might as well study my biology. Yeah, I might as well do the thing that I, I have a preference about. But you don't have to. And as long as you feel you have to, that's what makes it suck. Right? That's what makes it suck. It really is just about priority. Like somebody was asking here 
Um, hold on. What does one do when stuck in a state of inaction? Quite literally, what to do the next day? Stop asking what to do. Just do, right? And well, what do I do? I guarantee if I set a fire in the middle of your floor, you wouldn't sit there asking me what to do. You'd get up and you would start trying to figure out real fast what to do next, right? And it's just because all of a sudden that would be our priority. But it has to be a priority. It has to be a priority to you. And the only way it's going to be, unfortunately, is for you to decide that you are done with the suffering that you're currently experiencing. Nobody is going to make you want to act. There is no carrot that's going to keep you moving sustainably. Just your decision that you've experienced inaction enough. That's all it is. And then it doesn't matter what it is as long as it's action. It doesn't matter if you are writing an article. It doesn't matter if you're going for a walk. It doesn't matter if you're volunteering. It doesn't matter if, if you're exploring an area of town that you haven't explored before or learning a skill that you've never learned before. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's all action. You see, it's all you doing something that's unfamiliar. But me saying that there's a benefit to that is not motivation enough. You actually have to be sick of the alternative. You actually have to be done exploring that side in terms of inaction and go, yeah, but I know where that goes. So I'm going to go do that because I don't know where that goes. And that's it. It has to be worthwhile to you. Not because it should be, not because you see other people active, not because you, you think to yourself, well, maybe my life will be better. It won't be. It won't be. Life is still going to be life. Life is still going to be life. doesn't matter if you're, if you're inactive or active, you are going to go up and down and have a, the whole emotional spectrum. That is life as, as a whole. But in action, there's more potential for experience. There's more potential for growth. There's more potential for, for all kinds of stuff that then you can take in a period of inaction and reflect on. Exactly. Yeah. I think people get very caught in thinking that there's a right decision there's a right way to do things like we're always getting caught and oh i gotta find gotta find the right way gotta find the right decision there's there's a correct decision out there and i can't take action until i until i find it because if i take action now if i just you know follow my gut maybe it'll be the wrong decision maybe i'll choose the wrong thing and there's no such thing as that either so through it really does come down to for me when i'm feeling that way of like oh what do what do I do? It's this underlying assumption that there's a right thing to do, that there's a right way that I can spend this amount of time, that there's a right way that I can have this experience, that there's a right way to make any decision. And there isn't, there's no right way. And therefore there's no wrong way. And so relaxing into that, understanding that there isn't a way to find that certainty, every decision that you make, every experience that you have is going to lead you down a brand new path to a bunch of other new experiences. Like every experience we have is informing every situation and experience that we're going to have. So there's no way to find the right thing to do when you're sitting in an action, just do something. It really is that there's no right decision. There's no right way to spend your day. Just go do something, find out. It's not about figuring it out before you do something. Because then you go do it. As soon as you start doing it, you're like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. Because it's not going to be the idea. Your idea of the right decision is not the reality of how it actually plays out. Your idea of the situation is never going to be the reality of the situation anyway. So you can sit there, sitting on your thumb, thinking about, oh, what it, what is the best way to spend my time? Because 
you think there is and there isn't. It's just you and your experience. What do you want to do with it? What do you want to find out? What do you want to explore? Just you can find anything. But I, I really do think a lot of times it's the idea is, is that we know there's a right way. We think there we can know a right way to spend that time. And we're told by people is the the right way to to live, the right way to be a high performer, the right way to be a high value woman or high value man. It's like none of that shit exists. It's all subjective. You you want to be a high value person for someone else. Maybe that those people you want to attract or are trying to attract, you aren't even attracted to. And so there's this whole idea that there's a there's a pinnacle of human success and action and the the best way to be a person. And it doesn't exist. You're you. You have your experience. There's nothing you have to prove to anyone. There's no right way to live it. Keep living it because you are life. You don't have a life, not experiencing life. You're not in life. You are life. You're it. So everything that you do is conceivably the right decision because it's the one that life is making each and every time. So you don't have to settle upon the idea that there's there's a right way to spend it because there isn't. I think as you come to terms with that, it's going to be less so about what do I do? What decision do I make? And it's just, just make, just do, just keep moving forward and you'll find out, but it's going to be a lot harder to find out, not to say that you can't, but it's going to be harder to find out. You're sitting there wondering how to spend your time instead of just spending it. As a very intelligent person once said, you are the truth, the way and the life. And that's it. You are the way. There is no right way. You are the life. This, this is it. This is all you. So it really just comes down to being what you are. We are going to take a break for 15 minutes, and then we're going to continue on with a tier one call today. So if you would like to join us on Patreon, it's only $5 a month to do so. We have some guest hosts that are coming up this season, so I'm very excited about that. There will be more details about that next week. Uh, Patreon.com slash Dualistic Unity. Thanks so much for joining us, as always, everyone. This has been a fun conversation. We look forward to seeing you shortly. Bye, everyone.